to On the Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We are back on the block here on 93.7 The Ticket. Uh, it is myself, Jake Bokovin, and Eric Strickland, of course, a longtime NBA vet, Husker Hall of Famer. And we're, we are pleased to be joined by Brian Christopherson of Husker 24-7 on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline. And if I if I read it right here earlier on Twitter, is, is, are, we, are we interrupting your birthday plans today, Brian? <laughs> yeah, it is my birthday, but it, it's all right. I, I'm, I'm getting old enough now that I, I only, like, half recognize it when it pops up so uh it's it's quite all right all right yeah i I usually try to keep my head down during my birthday but i like to celebrate other people's birthday um so we had the we we had the band uh, get together and put you put you together a birthday song you you tell me what you think of our, our band and, and how we did this year okay it's your All right, that that pretty much that pretty much tells you what the, the the song there. What do you what do you think? Was it a pretty good song for your birthday? Yeah, it kind of makes you want to get in a mosh pit on your birthday or something <laughs> like that. That's that's good. A little yeah. dark, maybe it's a little dark, but that's all right. Yeah, we we might want to work on a new vocalist, but uh, he was really into it, so we we just let him go with <laughs> it. Uh, uh, but in any case, so I also saw you were at your uh, at the press conference today for Nebraska basketball. Uh, was there anything uh, interesting coming out of that? Yeah, actually, I did think it was kind of interesting, um, in part because a good deal of it was sort of talking about the big picture beyond these next six to seven games. And I I think that's sort of where the fan base is is looking at now. You know, I mean, if Nebraska wins one or two more, yeah, that's that's fine. But what what can you do to really rebuild this project going into next year? Who's the nucleus? that is going to stick around and be part of it. Um, and C.J. Wilcher is one of those guys, it seems like, and he was up front, and uh, he's been playing pretty well of late. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, even in the Northwestern game, when it was a really clunker of a team performance, he was like the one guy who, who showed out, I thought, on at both ends of the floor. He's been, you know, shooting about 50% from three since late December. So, um you know, there's some optimism there, um, and you're looking for those type of guys, those guys who are freshmen, first-year type players who maybe something's building, and then you can com- you can combine them with the the recruiting class that's coming in, and and maybe there's a little hope there. So it was good to uh, hear his perspective, and he's a guy who he shows up early, and he's not waving the white flag or anything like that. And you know, he wants to be a part of of trying to fix this thing, and that's what you want to hear from competitors. I mean, it's easy for all of us on the outside to sort of take our shots right now at where this program's at. But if you're inside those walls, it's like, okay, what can we do to change this? I, you know, I'm a competitor. What can I do to uh, move the needle of this operation? And uh, he seems to be one of those guys you want. Wilhelm Breidenbach, who's been injured, is probably another young guy that came up and, and Hoiberg was very complimentary of him. So I think that was what I took away from it was sort of Hoiberg talking about some of these younger players and guys who could actually be a part of it going forward. 
BC, happy birthday. Uh, we're glad that you're able to join us today, man. We we know it's not easy to tap in on your birthday, so we appreciate you joining us. Today. <laughs> oh, no problem. Th- thanks so much for the uh, for that. For that. That's nice. <laughs> okay, so listen, um, a lot of people are trying to just figure out, I'm just going to say what people are thinking. They're trying to figure out what options are out there. Um, you know, it, a lot of people are saying, if not Hoiberg, then who? Where would you go? What type of decision would be made being that you have this type of money out there? Um, you know, will he be able to retain anybody or does anybody want to stay at this particular time based on the situation in which they did not envision being uh, the season that they had thus far? What would you perceive to be based on what you're hearing, based on what you, you know, the, the ears that you have on the ground? What are, what are you seeing or potential options, not only for Trev Albers, but also internally with uh, Hoiberg and the crew. Yeah, I think, well, I think first off, uh, you know, Trev's in a difficult spot, you know, really right when he takes a job, you have sort of a tricky decision with your football coach and that you, you sort of thought there'd be more time before you came to a situation like this with basketball. Um, but definitely there's enough, um, you know, noise from the fan base that he has to, I think, at least think about it. And I think what you worry about is, you know, despite Nebraska's lack of success in recent years as a program, they were still filling up Pinnacle Bank Arena pretty, pretty good considering, you know, um, that, that, that place before the, the COVID season, it always felt like there's 11 or 12,000 people in the stands. And that's probably been my biggest concern item is there's been a loss of interest to the point where you're seeing, you know, kind of a half-empty arena. And this is a diehard fan base. Uh, but when you see that, it, it does give you pause. But what, as you guys know, and I'm sure you've talked about it, and I don't know where he's going to go, so I'm not going to act like I do. But, I mean, he, there's uh, $18.5 million attached to Fred Hoiberg's buyout, obviously. Um, and I know sometimes people kind of talk about, it as though Nebraska has monopoly money over there, uh, but they don't right now. I mean, they're they're not as bad as some athletic departments, uh, but they can't just go around, um, you know, giving out a huge buyouts to people and stuff like that after uh, 2020 in which, you know, they weren't allowed to have fans in the stands, and that really cut into how much money they made. Um, so I think that makes it very difficult if I'm looking at it from – you know, Trev's vantage point to make a move right now. And the other part is, I guess it's if you can, I, I, I do understand where, where Hoiberg, uh, he has talked about it. Um, you know, his first year here was really like uh, a roster where they just had to kind of put it together on the fly in a few months and kind of put a team on the floor. And so that was a very difficult year. And then the second year, you get going and you, you have the COVID situation and Nebraska's team, you know, has to go on pause for three to four weeks. And, um, you know, you end up playing 15 games in like a 30 day span. And obviously this year has been a disappointment. So um, I, I don't know that you can make a lot of excuses. Certainly the Trey McGowan injury, you have to factor into what has happened, but that's, that's the way sports are. Um, but I guess if you're Trev, it's possible you could look at it and say, there have been a lot of really strange circumstances attached to Hoiberg's time here. 
He likes his recruiting class coming in. He still has some freshmen in this class, kind of like I just talked about with Wiltshire, Breidenbach-type guys. Maybe you can build something with. Maybe you see how this goes one more year, and the buyout shrinks a little bit. Um, that's, that's a very real possibility and I think could happen. Um, but I, it, it definitely has, because of a record, when you're 21 and 62, you know, it, it's it's hard to defend that too much. And uh, even we can talk about this excuse and that excuse, and some of them are real, but uh, that that's it's hard to uh, kind of get beyond those numbers because they just smack you in the face. And, I mean, it, kind of an interesting part of this discussion is is kind of wondering what the talent is like on the team because it, it doesn't look like a team, um, to me anyway, that should have one win in the Big Ten play. As you kind of think about past Nebraska teams, maybe Doc Sadler, Barry Collar, Tim Mile teams, do you think that it's just – is it the Big Ten that's such a bear, or do you think that this is – they're just kind of not coming up short in these games and the talent is at least on par with those teams of the past? Yeah, I think they have talent where they should have a better record than they do. But, I mean, it's, you've got to have all-in buy-in um, on the defensive end for, for 40 minutes, you know, or close to 40 minutes. And I always feel like, you know, from, from my, you know, amateur eye, it always feels like there, there's just too many stretches where the defense is lax or there's a five-minute period where it, it, it just, you know, it, it goes out the window. Like, there's wide open. It's like open gym you know, for the other team against Minnesota last week. Now that was an example against another team that's struggling, but where you saw Nebraska really locked in defensively. And even though they weren't just dynamite on the offensive end, because they played so well on the other end of the floor and and fought for rebounds and won that, you know, actually won in that category, um, they got the results they wanted. So that to me has been the biggest um, eyesore is, even though we talk about somehow sometimes how the offense feels like it gets stagnant and it becomes one-on-one basketball, it's that defensive, you know, end of the floor where, you know, you've had these games where you give up 98 to Iowa. And I know Iowa's playing really well right now, but, you know, Auburn is obviously a great team, but a, a bad Michigan team, you know, a couple months ago comes in here and puts about a hundred on the board. There've been a few too many of those cases where uh, you just sort of, uh, question what's going on on that side and also sort of uh that extra want to it takes to get a rebound and when other you know when you're getting killed on the boards and you're losing by uh 10 rebounds a game that makes it very difficult I, I don't know if you've seen the reports, but I, I'm sure you have because today it was kind of all over the, the Big Ten uh, and their new TV contract that's coming up in 2023. Um, it, it's looking like a possibility they might even you know double uh, for each school and, and for Nebraska um, th- their payout there. Do you think that that could maybe soften the blow or change the decision altogether um, for, for Trev Alberts if he has one coming up? I, I mean, you never know. That could. Um, you, you know, the, the money's not in your – your bank until it's in your bank, but that's, that's going to be, they're going to upgrade there. And that's another reason why I know this is a, an area of the country where we get nostalgic for uh, the old uh, big eight type teams, the big 12 and all that stuff. But uh, they're, <laughs> this is why they're in the big 10. This is why they made this move a decade ago. Um, and, and this is why you want to stick in that league because, you know, in a time where, you know, money is tight in some places. The Big Ten schools are actually doing pretty well. 
uh, in keeping their head above water even after the the COVID situation. And so um, that's going to be a monster number. Wherever the TV contract goes, the Big Ten still has that 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 name recognition and those sort of programs that people are going to watch. And uh, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world, um, if you look at like the top 10 most watched college football games after a season, like what they were for that year, you're always going to see Ohio State's name on there like four or five times. And you're going to see Michigan on there a couple times. And even Nebraska, though they've struggled on the on the football field, uh, they still draw eyeballs to the television set because they're one of those programs people just recognize and then they they check it out. So um, it makes sense to me that that the TV folks are willing to pay the big bucks, and it's going to be elbows out now to to see who gets that contract. Well, it's fascinating to me. I've, I've got my own prediction about the Big Ten and the SEC eventually just kind of in, engulfing all the other conferences. Do you, do you see that as a possibility as we move down the line and the SEC and the Big Ten continue to get these huge contracts? Obviously, the, the, the Texas-Oklahoma move just just crumbled the Big 12 in any sort of chance that they had. Do you think there's a possibility at some point that might happen to the ACC and the Pac-12 as well? You know, I don't know if, if they'll, they'll completely, uh, you know, put them to the ground. I, I think there'll always be a spot for those schools. And, and frankly, I hope there is like, I mean, I like college sports when like on a college Saturday, I love the fact that there's, you know, all these different conferences and, you know, with basketball too, that where, you know, ACC is obviously a tremendous basketball league or has a great history. Um, and, and I love that stuff, but there, there definitely is becoming a divide more and more where it's the haves and have nots. And, uh, you know, even though Nebraska has not had the success in men's sports that you would like with football and basketball, I do think people need to be thankful and sometimes stop and think about it and say, you know what, Nebraska is in a good spot. Like, people sometimes forget when Nebraska made that move about a decade ago, um, you know, there were teams threatening to leave the Big 12 then. Texas was kind of pulling a power play move at that point, and Nebraska didn't know, you know, what would come of the Big 12, if it would end up being like the, the WAC conference, you know. And so they kind of got out in front of it, and they made the move. And uh, that's the way you have to be sometimes. You have to kind of see where where the, the landscape is headed and be a step ahead. And I think Nebraska is fortunate to be in the Big Ten. I know the results aren't what people want, but that's that's up to Nebraska to change that. And it's perfectly uh, possible for football and men's basketball to have success in this league. You just gotta they gotta figure out a way to do it better. Um, And they're gonna make a lot of money along the way, but uh, you gotta start winning some games to to really get people happy and kind of get this fan base enjoying the Big Ten like they maybe could. And one last question for you, as we've been talking about the Big 12 and, and kind of the, the old days and reminiscing on those. I know I saw you you caught up to a Nebraska-Texas game that happened in the early 2000s that maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't see there on, on King of the Hill, actually. So I, kinda, I got my favorite clip from that game. I don't know why this is my favorite one, um, but from that episode. We'll get your, your thoughts on the episode here in a second, but also on this clip overall. I don't know why I find this hilarious, but this is my favorite part. The Longhorns may not be going to the Rose Bowl, but they might go to the Gator Bowl or the Peach Bowl or 
Heaven forbid the Pacific Life Holiday Bowl. <laughs> I don't know why Hank Hill hates the Holiday Bowl, but either way, what did you what did you think about that episode? Yeah, I can't say that I really watched a lot of King of the Hill, but I was sitting downstairs working the other day. I had the TV on, and King of the Hill came on, and all of a sudden, like Texas is playing Nebraska in this episode with you know the cartoon characters or whatever drawing, whatever. Yeah, and uh, no, Nebraska wins. Uh, Nebraska wins that game, and so it's, uh, you know, the way it's gone with Nebraska and Texas in real football, I guess you got to take them where you can get them, even if it's a victory on King of the Hill. So um, (laughs) if people want to look that episode up, they can find it on YouTube and uh, enjoy Nebraska getting the better of Texas in a make-believe game. Yeah, we'll take a victory any way we can over the Longhorns. Always horns down here on on the block. Uh, Once again, happy birthday, though, and thanks for taking some time out of your birthday to join us on the block. Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7. Once again, thank you, Brian. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. There he goes. Brian Christopherson of Husker 24-7. We're up against it, so we are going to get out into a break. But when we come back, we will round out the show on the block uh, with our daily NBA segment, Hitting the Hardwood with Strick. It's kind of interesting, again, especially in Laker Nation, uh, where Anthony Davis went down again. We don't know if it's a long-term thing, but it's starting to become, uh, I guess, a fixture of his. So we'll talk about that next. Maybe should the Lakers even move off of Anthony Davis here in the near future? We'll talk about that next here on The Block on 93.7 The Ticket. <laughs> 